0: Support for this podcast comes from Cielo. Cielo is the world's leading provider of global recruitment process outsourcing and related solutions, spanning the talent lifecycle from employer branding to onboarding. Cielo takes a we become you approach to RPO that provides their clients with customized solutions that match industries, geographies and business priorities. To find out more, visit www.
1: There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 46 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Data analytics is something that has been growing in importance in talent acquisition over the last few years. One company who are really making talent analytics work for them is Cisco. My guest this week is Ian Bailey, Cisco's Global Head of Talent Acquisition Operations. Keep listening to find out what they've done, how they're doing it, and what they're finding out. Hi Ian, and welcome to the podcast. Hey Matt, thanks very much. Good to uh, talk to you. Could you, uh, could you just sort of introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you work for and what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. So my name's Ian Bailey, um, and I am the Global Head for Talent Acquisition and People Planning Operations at Cisco Systems. And so really what that means uh, is that I lead the organization in Cisco that supports our recruiters and TA organization, and then also all of our workforce planning activities um, from an operational perspective. So that might be analytics, it could be systems and tools, programme management, change management, um, and all of our sourcing and pipelining activity. Uh,
0: that, sounds like, uh, that sounds like a very big job. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It changes every day. Fantastic. And, um, and Cisco is obviously a, a, a kind of a large, complex organisation. What, what are the sort of key challenges you have in um, talent acquisition there?
1: Yeah, so I think what's happening with Cisco at the moment um, that's really interesting from a TA perspective is that we are, you know, we are going through a transition as a company uh, where we're starting to move into uh, some of the growth areas like security and cloud and the Internet of Everything versus our kind of traditional um, operations around kind of networking and and routing. And so, really, as we we get into those new growth areas, that's changed the types of talent that we look to attract to Cisco, um, and it's, it's meant some different challenges from our hiring perspective.
0: I can imagine. And uh, one of the things that I know is a key focus of yours is um, data analytics and predictive analytics and, and workforce planning, and I know you're doing some very innovative things, in that space, um, tell us a bit about the journey that, you, that you've been on with that. What sort of role have uh, analytics played, and how has that um, ha- how has that sort of developed?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think something that that we've gone on, which is a similar journey, I think that a lot of companies go on, and, and everyone's kind of at a different place in that in that journey. But is really moving from just being able to kind of be very reactive and, and looking at data, spending a lot of time manipulating data to be honest and you know merging spreadsheets those kind of things which is what where we used to spend a lot of our time from an analytics perspective or you know from the perspective of the analyst to then starting to try and automate as much as possible get the data into the hands of the people that need it from a you know self-service um point of view as much as we can but also add some kind of rigor around what metrics we look at. So, you know, what is it that we are actually deciding to measure? Why are we measuring those things? Um, Applying targets and and really trying to grow um, our performance in the right direction against, you know, those metrics that we consider to be key performance indicators, having regular ops reviews, you know, that kind of thing. And then once, you know, we laid the groundwork for that and really started to Feel like we had some maturity, particularly in the recruiting space, around what we were looking at and why, and and what behaviour that was driving. Then I think you know we were able to then turn our attention to try to correlate you know between the different metrics, understand what uh, you know what impact changing one uh, data point might have on another or, you know, taking an action and how that might impact something else. So, you know, if we're looking at time to fill and hiring manager satisfaction and quality of hire and some of those things, then if you're moving what the needle on one metric, how does that impact the others? And really what behavior are you driving to kind of continue to move the organization forward against, against the right strategy. And so that, that kind of conversation started to become more and more common, um, you know, but, but to do that, you have to lay the foundation. Um, and then I think only then can you start to then look to the future and try to think around starting to kind of scratch the surface around predictive and, and really starting to influence the business and have more strategic conversations with the business.
0: So just to um, dig into that a little bit, deeper what what were the key metrics that you were measuring and what did you actually find to be the most um the most useful of those because I know there's there, there's lots of debate around this in terms of um you know what what metrics actually actually mean what, what did that look like for you guys
1: yeah and, and I think it, it really depends on the organization as well so I, I'd never say there's you know one metric that's the perfect metric, right? It's going to depend on what what you're driving for and what problem you're trying to solve. But from our perspective, you know, I think just like everyone else, we started off by measuring probably what was easier to measure, you know, what we felt we could measure um, versus something that was maybe, you know, more strategic. And, And that's the journey we went on where we then started to question why we were measuring some of the more simple process kind of metrics like time to fill And and if that was actually something that the business cared about or did the business care about, um, you know, as much as they might care about time, is that the the most important thing to them? Um, Or is something like the quality of the individual that we bring in and how they fare, you know, six months, 12 months into the job, is is that more important? Um, If we're losing people within six months, right, so early attrition, um, six month attrition, something like that 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 's a problem you know that 's a number we want to keep down um, because that is a reflection, I think not just of of how well we 're doing from the hiring process, but also actually the hiring manager and 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 the business around the decision that they 're ultimately making to hire that candidate you know as a recruiting organization, we can present a good slate of candidates, hopefully um. But then ultimately, who gets interviewed and then hired, we, we can consult on. But the, old, the, the final decision sits with the business. And, and so there's dual accountability there as well. And so I think where there's metrics that start to link more closely to what the business is trying to achieve, as well as what we're trying to achieve as an organization, then I think those start to become more, more meaningful. Um, and then something else that we're looking at a lot more at the moment is is candidate experience you know the experience that the candidate has throughout the recruitment process and then how that might impact um you know their overall decision to come to cisco and then also the the experience of the hiring manager
0: and is there are there sort of specific technologies that you're that you're using to measure this what what's what's been the the most useful the tools you've used to 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 really sort of come up you know get to the bottom and come up with this data
1: yeah so I'd say in terms of the actual you know kind of measurement um there's not necessarily a specific technology if you're looking at uh experience, then often that comes down to a survey you know and so trying to keep that super simple and keep your response rates high and and some of those things to get that anecdotal feedback um is is always you know good advice that that we've kind of honed over over the years to make sure that we can get the get the best results i mean something that we find actually For things like candidate experience and hiring manager experience that is the most useful information is often the free text kind of comments. And obviously, they're usually the hardest to analyze. So we've been working um, more recently with software that will help you analyze those free text comments, um, start to kind of figure out, was it a positive or a negative statement? You know, uh, what was the sentiment? What was the area of the process that maybe the comment referred to, things like that, to try and dig through that rich data and and start to get more quantitative, um, you know, uh, information from it. Um, And then I think, you know, some of the other things that we've seen success with have just been really around making sure that people have access to the information that they need when they need it. And I know that sounds super simple, but... It's it's really hard, often in a large organisation, and I, I hear this from my peers as well, to kind of put the right tools in the hands of of the um, the managers or the recruiters where they can very quickly slice and dice data and get at the information that they need to drive the right conversation. Unfortunately, I think we we often spend a lot too, you know far too much time kind of getting to the point of producing the data rather than spending our time looking at the data. And something that we've tried to do is is really uh, automate as much of that as possible and, and allow people the time to then really dig into the information, do the right root cause analysis, and then have a meaningful conversation.
0: And once you've sort of established this data um, in, in internally, which it sounds like you've done a, a, a great job of doing, how do you sort of bring a predictive um, angle to that, and is there any external data that you kind of throw into the the the, the mix to to move forward?
1: Yeah, um, so I think from a predictive perspective, I would say that's still something we're we're exploring. I know there's a few companies uh, that have made you know some progress in that area, um, and it's something that we're we're continuing to kind of play around with around. You know, how can you predict attrition and, and things like that. Um, I think where we have been able to add value in that area is is in bringing in, uh, to your point, the external data um, around the candidate market, you know, talent pool analysis, that kind of stuff. And then what we've done is we've used that information, um, you could say in a kind of predictive sense, to help inform site strategy, like, you know, location strategy in terms of where we hire, both at a, a kind of low level in terms of, you know, maybe a, a department manager or functional leader kind of level, but also from a facilities, um, workplace resources kind of level, where if we've been thinking about opening a new office in a part of Asia, for example, uh, then the way that we've been able to influence those decisions is by doing a full market scan. And, you know, on the surface, it might seem like there's a a great talent pool in a particular location that maybe we're looking to expand in. And, you know, maybe it ticks all the boxes from a a cost perspective and, you know, from the ability to get office space and things like that. But then when you look at the talent, one example that we had quite recently, we started to realize that although there was, you know, let's, I'll make the number up, let's say like a million people out there that were graduating each year um, that had the requisite skills when you dug a bit deeper, it became clear that there wasn't the right level of experience or international experience, Um, you know, maybe English language experience, right, or indeed um, experience of working within international organizations. And so the talent pool just shrank and shrank and shrank as we actually started to look more at the type of people we would consider hiring. Um, And the decision was then made to not open a, an office in that location and, and so I think from that point of view we've been able to really start to kind of influence some of the higher level decisions we're making with the business around you know where we expand um, and, and where we look to hire in the future.
0: I mean that's fantastic in terms of the way that you're able to um have an influence on those uh on those on those kind of business decisions how did you kind of build that that influence and that trust was it was it from the robustness of the data or is it just sort of part of the part of the Cisco culture
1: yeah it's a good question I, I think it is a journey I, I don't think um you know that happens overnight i think the quality of the data and being able to speak to the data um is an important part of that um, you know, really being able to provide uh, kind of quality insights, present them in a in a clear way, but then also to be able to explain um, those insights and be able to talk to them knowledgeably. Um, and then I think, you know, it was a kind of drip drip effect whereby, uh, you know, we we worked on this for a, a couple of areas, and then before you knew it. Uh, there were a lot of different parts of the business coming to us requesting this type of information, and so I think you know often I find with with data is once you once you actually provide a need and and start to get that information out there, then then the floodgates can can really open um, because people often you know are, are desperate for the information, and and so that's kind of what we've seen is. Um, you know, in the absence of of having this information the the business has just been really glad that we can provide that intelligence and, and help them uh, kind of navigate through that that decision making process
0: fantastic and from all the data that you 've had and the the learnings that you've've you've seen is there what 's the one thing that 's really surprised you that 's sort of come out because you 're collecting and analyzing this data
1: yeah i I think. What's really interesting um, for us is, as a technology company, I think there's. We have our headquarters in San Jose, uh, and obviously a lot of our hiring takes place there. And as the the talent market starts to become more and more challenging in that region, then we start to explore. You know, where else uh, can we go to find the 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 right talent? You know, elsewhere in in the U.S. and elsewhere in the world, and and so there's a lot of assumptions that that people tend to have around that. And I think being able to kind of respond to those assumptions and provide really crisp data around that is incredibly compelling, but it's also something that's been a huge gap, you know, potentially in terms of what we can deliver internally in the past, or it's been something that's been very expensive, to be honest, to go out and buy in. Um, and so to kind of grow that muscle, in house and and really be able to kind of provide that information across Cisco um, at, at a very co- in a very cost effective way is is what's been kind of really good about what we've been able to do. And then you know I think what's been surprising I guess is is the is the huge take up of that service and and how keen people are now to get that information. Uh, you know when when in, historically it just hasn't been available.
0: I mean, it's brilliant that that's been so successful for you. I know that um, a lot of organisations are sort of looking at uh, data and analytics and, uh, in this area at the moment, and um, it, in some kind of cases, they're sort of struggling to know um, where the best place to start is. What would your advice be to another organisation that's just starting this journey?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, you don't need to spend a fortune on this. Um, I think what's been interesting about the way that we've grown the team, we do have kind of three or four people aligned to this work now, but what's been interesting about the way that we've grown that team is it really started off by uh, where we had a, a really kind of senior level sourcer who also had a bit of an analytical mindset and the combination of those two skills uh, meant that we were able to kind of harness you know what their development area and where they wanted to kind of progress with this and and start to to kind of build some of this ability in house um, we then you know added one or two people to the team to to kind of augment that and deal with the demand but but really, in terms of how much it might cost just to do a single kind of talent map or talent pool analysis you know externally you're talking maybe 10, 15K each time, it becomes very quick to justify that, you know, bringing that expense in and and funding one or two headcount instead. But I think what you need to make sure... Um, and this is where we were lucky, I think, but i don't I don't think it's um, something that, that other organizations can't emulate is that you do have the right skill set for that. you know having that blend of someone who really understands the the recruitment role um, and the talent market but also has a bit of an analytical mindset is is kind of a rare combination um, and so if you can find someone like that or couple a great sourcer with a great analyst and and just you know, pair them side by side. Then I think you need that combination, right? Um, if you're just trying to go at this with um, a, a core analyst skill set, then I think you're missing that kind of information and, and knowledge about the external market. And likewise, if you just go it from a sourcing perspective, then you, you'll struggle to kind of get get someone who can maybe tell the story of the data. And and so I do think finding people who are keen to do this, to be honest, you know, in a smaller organization, it could be 10 or 20% of somebody's time, you know, in addition to filling requisitions and things. And so, as I say, I I really don't think it's a huge investment. It's more about getting someone who has a passion in this area and, and a bit of a mix of those skills. And then there's a lot of tools out there that are available um, you know, often organizations are obviously investing in in platforms like LinkedIn. And so starting with something like LinkedIn is, is a great way to start to scan the market. But then there's a lot of other tools and aggregators out there that are actually free that can start to give you a view on talent pools and, and doing market scans. It's just then a matter of kind of pulling all that data together and, and visualizing it, uh, you know, and making it something that an executive can very quickly understand and, and get a story from
0: so what's next for you guys where, uh, where where is this going in the future what 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 is your uh, what does your journey look like um, over the next sort of 18 to twenty four months
1: yeah so I think something that's been relatively new to my job title uh, making it quite long now but um is that people planning um, piece and really that's something that we haven't had a kind of enterprise-wide cohesive strategy around at Cisco. Um, In the past, we've had areas that, you know, have done it well, but we haven't necessarily come at it from an enterprise perspective. And so what we're trying to do there um, is really look at how can we um, build a lot of this information um, to help our decisions around workforce planning. As I said, we've started to kind of move in that direction with site and location strategy, but then also how do we really start to understand Internal supply within our company i e the the skill sets of our employees um, and how they match up to um, you know kind of where we're going uh, from a, a strategic perspective with with roles and 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 the different growth areas that we're moving into. and then how does that compare to the external supply information that we're already uh, you know getting quite good at, at pulling together and and I think as you start to merge those two things together, um, and start to uh, kind of build an inventory of of information, if you like, an internal CRM of your, your talent internally, then really as you start to go down that workforce planning journey of linking the overall strategy to a to a workforce plan, then you can start to make that decision more intelligibly around, um, you know, do we go out to the market and hire, hire in where we have gaps? You know, do we look at, at building that, uh, skill set internally, um, you know, is it diverse, is it acquire, et cetera, and, and and kind of how you understand what action to take as part of your, your talent plan or your people plan. It's it's critical that you're looking inward and understand the, the skill sets of your, your own workforce, and then you can understand also um, what the external talent market looks like and how those two compare. And so really for us, that's kind of where we're going next is trying to tie all of those threads together. We're kind of working on a concept that we're calling the the, the talent cloud, whereby we can really build um, a tool uh, in-house that employees can use to understand where they have personal skill gaps, find learning and development opportunities aligned to those, um, how they can maybe take like stretch assignments to, to build up their skills, but also how they can have visibility into the skills of the future for Cisco. Um, and start to kind of manage their own careers um, and, and build uh, their own uh, path to, to any of those future roles that, that might kind of benefit Cisco in the future. And so as we kind of provide that mechanism for the, for the employees internally, we can then obviously look at how we use that for, for development and growing skills in-house. And then we can couple that with the external data to inform our hiring strategy.
0: So final question um, I know you're speaking at h r tech world in london in in a couple of weeks' time um, Is there anything you're sort of particularly looking forward to um you know fr- from the event in terms of sort of hearing from other people or uh, conversations that might be happening there
1: yeah absolutely i mean i'll I'll kind of sit in on the on the other sessions as well um for the for the data and analytics thread that that i'm on and and i I, I just love hearing what everyone else is doing, to be honest, because I think so much of the work that we end up doing is, um, you know, is, is always driven by what the priority for our own company, and, and it's events like this that allow us to, to really understand kind of what everyone else is doing. And there's always, you know, uh, a good few bits of information that I take away that are great ideas that other companies are, are are doing that obviously we haven't thought of. And then I think often it's nice to learn that other people are often dealing with the same challenges that, that you are and, and, you know, haven't figured it all out yet either. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what, what other companies are doing and obviously to, to share our story and, and see what people think of
0: that. Absolutely. Ian, thank you very much for talking to me. No worries. Thank you very much. My thanks to Ian Bailey and also thanks to HR Tech World who helped set up the interview. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher and you can find all 45 previous episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could write a review on iTunes. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me.
1: This is my show.